That was great. That was great. It is about the climb, isn't it? Well, can you believe it? New Year's is almost here. It's about a week away. Are you ready for it? Kind of? This is the time of the year, guys, when we start to make our New Year's resolutions. How many of you have started the list already? Partial? Some of it? Well, New Year's resolutions, guys, really is an effect of regrets. As you look back on the previous year and you... Uh, evaluate what you've done with your life. Sometimes we have regrets. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to look at a passage that I think if we look at it fresh and brand new, uh, it'll give us some insights on how to have a no regrets relationship with God. And uh, all of us have regrets. We have regrets about um, that extra piece of pie I ate. We have regrets about that dress I bought. Uh, We have regrets about uh, that next drink I took. You know, regrets come in two forms. Some of them are in action form, things that we did that we regret. Others are regrets of inactions. That girl I didn't ask out, that job interview, that promotion I didn't go for. We all have regrets. And if we look at those regrets and we think about them long enough and hard enough, it leads us to a question that says, am I really happy with who I am? Am I really satisfied? If I had it to do all over again, would I do the same things that I did before? Would I make the same decisions? And as we think long and hard, we all acknowledge that at some point we have regrets And I think this passage is going to give us some encouragement. So if you would, I want you to open up uh, the book, your Bibles, open up to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Whoops. I regret that. Luke chapter 15. (laughs) You know, uh, I think these guys work for a nuclear power company. They have double redundancy. So they got a backup microphone system on me. Luke chapter 15. We're going to drop in on a conversation that Jesus is having with a a large group of people. And this group is um, broken into two separate groups. Uh, If you'll notice in the first verse there, it said the two groups are broken up into the tax collectors and sinners. Don't you just love that kind of combination there, how he couples them together? And then there are the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. So there's two groups, and he's going to tell this story about people who represent those two groups, sinners and tax collectors and teachers and Pharisees of the law. Now, I want you now to drop down, if you would, uh, to verse, um, uh, uh, chapter 15, verse uh, down to 7. And he says, He's going to tell the story. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger son uh, said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property. Now, at this time, I know you said, oh, I've heard that story. I know what it's all about. I know the ending. Uh, so what else you got? Doesn't sound nothing new there to me. Well, let me ask you to do something, if you would. Just set aside what you've heard before. All the sermons that you've heard. Just set it aside for a while. And let's come at this thing fresh and new 
And, and I promise you, I think God will reveal some new insights. He'll, he'll show us some new things in this passage here. So if you would, just set aside. I know you think you know what I'm going to say, but just set it aside, okay? And he says, let's start again. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that's coming to me. Now, there's nothing new there. Many of us fathers here, uh, we've already made out our wills. We know we're going to give money to our sons when we die. So there's nothing new. But the operative word there is when we die. Now, this son said, I want the money now. And what he was saying is, I wish you were dead I want the money right now so I can have it. What an insult to this father. Well, his property, his wealth, and all of his holdings were tied up in land. So what do you think he had to do? He had to go out into the real estate market. He had to sell his property. Now it's a public kind of display. It's known in the community. Uh, You know, I I could imagine them saying, what are you doing there? Uh, Aren't you going to leave this money for your sons? I mean, uh, when you die, you are going to leave it to them, aren't you? And he says, well, you know, I got this younger son. His name is Levi. You know Levi. Yeah, I know Levi. I kind of worry about Levi at times. He said, well, you know Levi. He wants the money now. He, he wants the money now? Do, do you know what that means? He's, I know. I know. Do you know what kind of message that's it? I know. I know. Do you understand the ramifications? Of it? I know. He set aside the loss of wealth, the loss of dignity, his standing in the community, all for the sake of love. All because he loved his younger son so much. He took the indignities of selling his property, making it known in the community what was happening, all for the sake of love. Now, it says, and he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered up all that he had, and he took a journey to a faraway country. I mean, he, uh, uh, he knew where he wanted to go. You know the story. Uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? And there he squandered all of his money, all of his property, on reckless living. Now, that's what young, younger sons and young, younger daughters do. We leave home. We leave home because we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten who we are to our father. We get kind of confused. So younger sons, younger daughters, they leave home. And that's what he did. He left home because he had forgotten the love of the father. He had believed that there was something more significant out there. Something that could attract him. Something that gave him love and things that his father just could not satisfy. See, that's what younger sons do. They forget who they are. They forget that they're loved by the Father. And that's what many of us in here have done. Well, when he had spent everything, when he had burned through all the money and he had burned through the relationships, uh, and he had, uh, uh, there was a severe famine, he was out of options, he sat down and he said, what am, what am I doing here? You guys know the story. A moment of clarity came to him. Uh, and that happens at times when you're in the pig pen with the pigs. And you can see it just at that moment. He says, this is not who I am. This is not what I'm about. 
I know my father. So not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and came up with a plan. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say, look, father, I know that I have sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven and I've let you down. And he practiced this apology. He had it all down pretty good. He had this game plan. He said, that's what I'll do. And I'll go back and I'll say, look, just treat me like one of your hired hands. Okay. Treat me like one of them. And it's an interesting point. He was willing to take something less than who he was. Said, just take me back and treat me like a hired hand. So he put his uh, game plan into place and uh, he took off for home. Now, many of us have been there and we've been in this pig pen and we say to ourselves, you know, I wonder, 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 and maybe, 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 maybe my father will take me back. Uh, maybe not like it was before, maybe a second class citizen, but hey, after all, that's kind of what I deserve, isn't it? After all I've done. See, that younger son was thinking the thoughts that we think. He was saying, look, I've done some sins. I've done some things that are wrong. And I'm not worthy of the status I had before. If you can just bring me back in any kind of position, I'll be happy. So... He's on his way home. As he's coming home, he's been practicing this. And you can see him as he's, as he's coming down the road. He's practicing this apology. And he's uh, got his head down. And his father comes out on the porch and sees him at a distance. And he was still a long way off when he came out. And he says, the Bible says, he felt compassion. Compassion? You know, where is that, uh, hey, didn't I tell you so? Where is that? Hey, boy, there's going to be hell to pay around here. You know what you put your mother and your father through? You know the embarrassment you brought on the community? None of that. The father would have none of that. Father said, get the robe on him. Get a ring on him. Bring sandals to his feet. My son was dead. Now he's on. Get the fatted calf. We're having a party. We're going to have prime rib. We're going to have steak tonight. Let's party. My son was dead and now he's alive. You know, the, the younger son had to, had to be swirling in his head and say, what, what is this all about? Incredible compassion that his father had from him. Instead of saying, you know, didn't I tell you that this was going to happen? None of that. See, his father knew he belonged to him. He loved him. There was nothing that son could have done. Nothing, that, no amount of time that he stayed away could have ever kept him from the love of the father. The father loved him deeply. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, we got to get rooted in this. we got to know this, that the father loves us that deeply. If you don't get this, if you don't have this deeply in your heart, if you don't have this rooted in your soul, You'll never know the intimacy of having a heavenly father that you can call your papa. You've got to know that he forgives you of all things. And you're probably saying, yeah, 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 I know he forgives sins. I know that he loves me. It's almost intellectual. But what about that, I don't know, that divorce? Or what about that terrible thing that I did that was, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, even that. He has forgiven you all of that. He loves you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, 
no matter what you've become, you belong to the Father. And you've got to have that rooted. And it's interesting that he said, I'll be glad to be just one of the hired hands. Well, you guys all know that story. But you know, many of the, of the folks, that, uh, they don't go on with the rest of that story. The story just begins there. Because there's another son. There's another son who did everything right. Uh, he kept all the laws. He made straight A's in school. Uh, he always was on time. He never was late. He always uh, he had his Bible. He memorized his verse. He did everything right. When the church doors was open, he was there. And he's out in the field, and he hears all this music and excitement. <clears throat> and a servant comes to him, and he says, what's going on? He says, well, your brother has come home. Your younger brother has come home. And your father's throwing a big party for him. And the older son said, Woohoo! Yeah, baby! I'm so glad he came home. My father is going to be thrilled. Right? He's, I know dad's going to be happy with this. No. It said he was angry. It said he was angry and he refused to go in. Now, it finally is starting to surface here. This older son, who had done everything right, was doing it for all the wrong reasons. This older son, this, can, you, can you see it there? That says he was angry. It's just kind of dripping. It finally comes out, the truth of what the older son was really like. He resented it. He had contempt for his dad. He was not happy with him. And he answered to his father, he said, look. It wasn't, hey, Dad, uh, what's going on? Uh, why are you taking him back so easy? It wasn't that. He said, look, these many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Boy. All that resentment, all those years, he actually saw his service to his father as slavery. One of the uh, translations said, I was slaving for you all these years. I never did anything you didn't want me to do. I kept all the rules. He was just as angry. Now we've come full circle. See, the son left home out of rebellion. He said, I, I don't think I'm loved here. I'm, I'm looking for things that the father can't give me. I, my needs can't be met here. And the older son, he stayed home, but with rebellion. They both thought it was about the money. They both thought it was the inheritance. The younger son said, I want it now. The older son said, I'm willing to wait for it, but I want it. <laughs> it's not about the money. It's not about the inheritance. Neither one of them wanted a relationship with their father. Neither one. And see, that's all the father wanted. Because here's the point that Jesus was making. This is, as Pastor George would say, this is the smashing point. It isn't yours. It isn't about working for it. It isn't about your inheritance. It's about the love of the father, the relationship, a no-regrets relationship with the father. Now, many of you here uh, are familiar with the younger son. Many of you are the younger sons and younger daughters. You know what that's like. 
You know how that looks. Clearly, I'm a younger son. But there's some older sons and older daughters here too, aren't there? You're a little harder to spot. You know, because you do everything right. You come to church. You, you show up to work on time. You do the things you're supposed to do. But it's just work. Have you ever wondered why some people have such a dynamic relationship with God? And, and, and it's vibrant, it's alive, and they're walking in the, uh, in the presence of God, and they enjoy their relationship. You ever wonder why that is? And why yours is just kind of dry and old? It's like toast, old toast. You ever wonder why that's... You see, when you come back to the Father, you got to come back completely and knowing who you are in the Father. You're His beloved. He loves us. He holds nothing against us. There's nothing you can do to have earned that inheritance. It's a gift from God. See, I believe that uh, older brothers, older sisters, older sons and daughters, they, they have done everything right. And I think that's why at times we just kind of struggle with our walk. Does it ever feel mechanical to you? Does it? Does this Christian walk ever seem like it's just mechanical? I'm just kind of going through the steps. Well, let me tell you what this, this belief that I've got something that he just can't get over. I've done some things that he just won't forgive me about. You know what that does? It turns into, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon it turns into fear. And then fear causes distance. And you say, you know, I just can't get that out on the table with my father. And this distance finally causes no relationship at all. And you're just kind of going through the mechanics. You're just kind of reading your verses, doing your daily bread. You got that up here? You know, we know it up here. Can we get it to here? Can we get it down to here where we know that the love of the father no matter what we've done. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Paul. He wrote a great, uh, a great deal of the Word of God. And uh, he has written something <clears throat> in, uh, uh, in Philippians that I want, I want to um, uh, read to you. It's in uh, chapter 3. Uh, it's a prayer. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. It's in a prayer. And I'm going to read the end of the prayer first. Um, and so that you can see what he's hoping that they will get. And then I'll come back to the front of it. But just listen to this. I'm going to read the last of it first. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Wow. Then you will be made complete with all the power and love that comes from God. Well, what, what does that mean? How do I get that? Isn't that what we want in a no regrets relationship with God? Isn't what we want that then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God? Who would not want that? Well, let's go back to the front of the prayer and see what Paul is praying about. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love, keeping you strong. 
And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how, how deep his love is. May you experience this love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, it's all about knowing that the Father loves us and that we love the Father. You know, you can bring this down to a human level. You have, most of us in here have kids, right? Now, you love your kids. Uh, do you love your kids because they bring you cold drinks when you're watching TV? Or, or do you love your kids because they mow your lawn? Or, or because they make good grades? Of course not. You love them because they're your children. Don't you? You love them unconditionally. Even the ones that are, uh, that are tough and younger sons and daughters. Don't you love them? Just because they're your children. Well, see, God's the same way. Now, let's kind of turn that around. God wants us to love him not because of what he can give us, but because he's our father. Just love him because he's our dad. That's what he wants. Now, there is a, there is a guy by the name of uh, Tim, I'm going to say it's, uh, he wrote the book, The Prodigal God, Tim Keller. And in it, uh, prodigal does not mean wayward. We've kind of given that understanding of the word prodigal, to be a wayward, to be someone who's drifted off and gone away. That's not the meaning of it. The meaning of prodigal is to uh, reckless spending uh, being a reckless spendthrift, spending all you've got, saving none, right? Who, 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 who have we talked about that is that prodigal? Who's like that? Well, clearly the younger son. But who else? It's the father. The father is the prodigal father, recklessly spending all that he had, all that he owned on us. He gave it everything that he had. He truly is the prodigal father. Recklessly spending until he had nothing left. Well, many of you in here are younger sons and younger daughters. Now, when Jesus was teaching this parable to this group, he was speaking to a larger group. Now, it's interesting when uh, he ends this story. Uh, it ends the story. The father tries to get the son to come back inside. He says, come in. He said he went out onto the porch to entreat him, to beg him to come in. Interesting two words, went out. That's exactly what he did to the younger son. He went out and saw him, and then to the older son, he went, in, went out and asked him to come in to the party to celebrate. Same words. When God is uh, after us, he never stops coming. He loves us. He won't quit because we belong to him. Now, in an audience this big, when Jesus was talking about these two groups, when the story ended, somebody had to say, what? Let's see, the younger kid, he does all this crazy living, comes home and is forgiven and he goes to heaven? 
That's the analogy. And the older son, who was morally upright and did everything correct, he doesn't? Is that it? What an, boy, Jesus, you just don't know how to tell a story. And what an ending. But it ends there. What happened to the older son? Did he ever come back inside? We don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. What an ending. But you know, Jesus was smarter than that. He knew the ending. And he wanted the Pharisees and the older brothers and older sisters and the older sons and daughters out in the audience. He wanted them to make the last decision of how the story would end. Would they come in? Would they come into the Father? And he's left it up to us, too. Same story for us. The question is, how will we end this story? If you're the younger son or the younger daughter, it's a great and glorious ending. If you're the older son and the older daughter, how will you end this story? Will you come back in to the celebration? You know, in a group this large, uh, there's uh, got to be some folks here that are not Christ followers. Uh, many of us are here. And for you younger sons and younger daughters, uh, I want to tell you, drop all those guilts and those shames. You don't have to grovel to the Father. You don't have to be like that. You can come back to your Heavenly Father and know that He loves you. And if you're an older son or an older daughter, He's asking you, come back in. Celebrate with us. But if you're not a Christ follower, I want to say, first of all, I'm, I'm really excited that you're here. Uh, you get a chance to see uh, many uh, of us, how we struggle and we're trying to find our walk with God. Uh, you might be here for a specific reason. You know, I believe that uh, uh, the older brother in that story, he should have gone out and found that brother of his. He should have gone out and found him and, and brought him home, but he didn't. Well, you need to know we have an older brother that has gone out. He might be looking for you right now. He might be trying to get you to come home. And I think that uh, you ought to listen to that older brother. He loves you. And all he wants to do is to bring you back into a relationship with his father, with your father. There's, the world out there has a lot of stuff that it tries to convince you will meet the needs of what your heavenly father does. It doesn't, guys. It's fake. It's phony. It's not real. The only real thing is we belong to the father. We got to get that rooted and grounded in us. So if there's some of you here uh, that uh, are not Christ followers and you're kind of wondering, well, gee, how do I do that? Um, let me get a, give some words to it, if I can. And uh, I've written some things down I, I want us to consider. I want you to consider. Would you bow with me? Almighty God, I want you to know, I want you to know me as your son or your daughter. I want to know you as my heavenly father. And something is becoming quite clear to me at this moment. That is that I've heard this before, but I'm really starting to believe it now. I've heard it. My heart is now starting to accept it. That you love me. 
you love me unconditionally. No matter, Lord, how long I've been away from home or how long I've been around religious things, they've really known, I've never really known you personally. And I feel this gap between us, and I know that it's because I've had rebellion in my heart. And I release all of that control and all of my strivings, and I come to you broken with my sin. And I say that I need you. And I embrace what my old brother Jesus, your son, when he came to earth, he died on the cross, and dying made my payment for my sin. So that I could be brought home and I can know you as my heavenly father. So I'm coming home. I'm coming in. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for calling me your son, calling me your daughter. Thank you that I now belong to you and nothing can ever separate me from your love. And give me the power to know how deep and how wide and how great your love is. So I can spend the rest of my life with you with no regrets. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, God wants us uh, to have a special relationship in, with him in, in a deep and meaningful way, an intimate way. He doesn't want us to be religious and just show up at church and check off the boxes. He desires an intimate relationship. Why don't you stand as I dismiss you? Heavenly Father, what a blessing you are to us. We truly are blessed that we can call you Abba Father, our Papa. Uh, Lord, uh, touch every heart here. Let's, let your word and your spirit have its effect in our lives. Lord, bless this time and the remainder of this day in fellowship with you and with our families. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>